Well, this is interesting, mate. We've been recorded uh, for the first time in the new studios. Now, we've got a show to do, you so you'll me. have to get yourself organised. Okay, um, well, I'm uh, Sumo Stance. Yes. I've gone wide. And you've got I've some... actually uh, very loose underpants on, so if you if you happen to look under the table, I do have shorts on, Tom. Is that what that mumbling sound is? It might be just a little wind, clunk, clunk down there on the uh, stool. Now, look, we're very uh, scientific today, Rudin, mm. and our, uh, I think it's appropriate mm. that we start our first show uh, from the science lab exception. with uh, Dave O'Brien from 5EW. Mm. And um, look, there's a bit of research that we need to do before we can actually get to air and, and get this organised. So if you want to get those beakers and bunts and yeah. Yeah, put, like, put away and taken care of. <laughs> that's, that's cranked up, yep. I'm ready to go with the, the, the BB, the Bunsen burner. <laughs> you hear me call it, so the BB's ready. Now, what are you actually trying to cook up there, mate? Well, it's a uh, it's something I've been working on for a while. I, 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 look, let me not. I'm not going to tell you what it is, mm. but I'm really going to put the, the finishing touches in at the end of the show. We'll, okay. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I'm confident. All right, mate. Let's get ready for it. We've got Dave O'Brien from Five EW coming up just around the corner. This is under the bar podcast. Under the Bar Podcast. Here mm. we are. Tom Hewitt is my name. I've got Rawson Dubois with me. As it's or- <laughs> Rawson, I'll have you know. I am dubious. <laughs> you are. Just ask, uh, what's his name? The guy that harassed all the women, got a, a charges. The evidence-based guy, Asian one. What's his name? Evidence-based Asian. Yeah, guy. it's one of the that group, show and fold. Harassed and- all the women. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't want to say, not Alan. Uh, Aragon, yes. Aragon. No, it's out in the open. You can say that. Yeah, definitely. Really? He called me the dubious method. This is news to me. The dubious method bit, or no, the harassing oh, women. Tell me all that. about it. No, the dubious method bit. So, what's the dubious method bit? Well, apparently he, um, because remember when uh, James? So the listeners would be familiar with James Kant, yes, you know, IFBB Pro, JCF Fitness, Pro. all that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, he was doing what he does, being controversial about something, and um, Lane Norton. Remember when he was going toe to toe with Lane yes, Norton, and I of do course, that. yeah, Lane's got his little groupies, and one of those groupies is Alan Aragon, and. Apparently, because I, you know, I, I said something about glutamine and and uh, said, oh, you know, glutamine, you're back when I was poisoned by, uh, you know, where I used to work. I glut- You need glutamine for the gut. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. This is relevant. We're going to talk about the gut today with Dave. So I That's thought true. it was very, uh, yeah, very organic talking about this. And uh, he called me out and said, uh, oh, this, this this dubious method talking about glutamine. There's no research to say blah, blah, blah. And he, he evidence-based me to... Uh, as he does, and uh, yeah, what what did I, what, what did I do? I just I just said a little bit of glue, like, and I said to, and, and my response was, well, and if that is the worst thing I've done in the industry, suggested use some glutamine for gut health, coming from someone that you know was accused of sexual harassment, uh, I'm, I'm okay with the glutamine. You know, if yes. that's the worst thing I've done in the industry, and and oh, I got to wear that, eh, I'm sure I can find something to talk about glutamine and gut health that could back up. Where I was coming from, but um, but yeah, it was, it was weird. He felt the dubious method, and you know, so that the... was when was this? Ah, uh, was it probably a couple of years ago, right, eighteen months, right, two years ago, right. mate. Well, you know me. I mean, I'm so oh. disconnected with the <laughs> social media, fitness industry on the social media. I just actually can't approach it. So yeah. It all just goes beyond me and past. Well, me. much like you do all the editing, I, I will just I, I spend I do my time on social media. Yeah, yeah. And I just break down much like a new, a new podcast comes out. Say, Tom, listen to it. Let me know, yes or no. Yeah, is there any good? And you'll give me a yeah, it's not too bad. You know, blah blah blah. And then I give you the the wrap. What's been happening in uh, in the fitness industry? And I go, ah, oh, well, blah 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 blah. Yes. So I must have forgot about that one. Here we are. Well, this is an exciting episode, mate. Mm. So as we mentioned when we were down in the lab, you know, and you were cooking away with your various uh, look. It's it's on the boil chemicals. in the background there. Mm-hmm. So look, I'm, I'm let's just yeah something Going special. We've got uh, Dave O'Brien from mm. Fifth Element Wellness down in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Sort of the the face mm. of uh, the face of that brand. He's one of the the the, the moving parts behind the scenes, a big yes. cog in the wheel, the machine that is 5EW down in Melbourne. And he got in contact a little while ago to with you and, and sent through um, now to both of us 
Uh, this- Look, he was bragging about this bloody gut protocol he put together, and it was pretty Fair impressive. Enough. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So it's a very comprehensive. I think there's a couple of options. You've got a nine-week option mm. or a 15-week nine option. Nine weeks, if you go that long. 15 weeks. <laughs> I think these- he, uh, his preferred one is like... 52 weeks of yeah. gut protocol. Never-ending gut protocol. But basically this gut rebuilding process, Rawdon, there's a specific um, you know, supplement-based protocol. Yep. There's the nutrition to support it. There's yep. also periodized training that goes along with the, the protocol, mm. and it's all broken down into stages. It's a lasagna of, of gut health. Oh, it's layer it's, upon layer upon layer. It's very impressive. A layer cake. There are five stages to the process. Stage one is reducing the inflammatory load. Stage two is repair mucosal structure phase. Mm -hmm. Stage three. Probably the microvilli in there, Tom. Well, it's like a forest rodent. Forest through the trees. I think that's the right saying. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. Stage three, the building block phase. Uh Amino acids, they're the building blocks of muscle, Tom. Stage four, restoring the balance. Mm. Gut balance. You don't have a little. Ecology. The E. coli, there he is. microbiome, a quip of some sort from you. Yes. And then Next. St- stage five will be restoring order. What do you got? <laughs> no, nothing. The stage five, the beehive. I don't know. Prodigy five, the beehive, I was going to say. That was a, a rave I went to. Is that sufficient? Oh, very nice. First yes. rave. That's absolutely sufficient. It was out at Homebush. <clears throat> so basically, Dave, he's coming up and we're going to go through today. It's a two-part Series. Who? So this will be part one of it, and wow. we're going to go through his background, how he got into the industry. He will. He will. Quite interesting too. Flood us with information. A heavy flow of information. Oh, this one, Tom. The information. Heavy. It it's, was that time of the month to get heavy. This yeah. is uh, intense. Yeah. Get the pen and paper. Pen and get paper. Get the laptop. Google Translate. All of the above. All it's going to be. Uh, it's a. It's not the easiest listen, but it. But it is. He sells it in a way that is. Uh, it's, it's, you can rationalise yeah. everything that he's doing and, and it sounds, to a level that we can't understand. Yes, yeah, That's so basically what's going on here. Pretty much. So pretty we're going to go through his, his progression through the industry and then we'll start stage one. And then part two for our next episode, we'll go stages two through five. Mm. So that's basically the outline that we're going to go with. Dave O'Brien, um, we may as well just get straight to him. Get into it. Yeah. Look, for, for people who don't know me, uh, look, I'd probably describe myself initially as a poliquinite. Yeah, okay. Um, That's all right. You're, among, you're amongst friends. <laughs> we all started there. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, even a, even a lot of my mentors, my other mentors, like Ido Portel, like essentially he was a poliquinite as well. So the one thing, mm. like, you know, rest his soul, Charles. I mean, the one thing... First time I did uh, my first biosignature course, and I think I did like biosignature like five or six times. So did a whole heap of times. But the first time I did the biosignature course, remember I sat down with Charles. So pretty honoured to to sit down with him on my first biosignature course. And he basically, I said like, how do I? Because basically, I thought I was a pretty good trainer until I walked into that five days with Charles Colligan. Yeah, and then basically, I realised that. Am I, am I okay to swear on podcasts or? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, ba- ba- <laughs> basically, I realized that I just didn't know shit. It, like the one thing I have to credit Charles for is that that was a massive wake up call for me in this industry that I actually just thought, you know, everything I learned at university and look, I, I know enough and I'm going to get great results with clients. And basically I, out of that five days, I just go, oh my God, like, yeah, I've got to really up my game here. Yeah, okay. Mm. And then when I spent like 10 minutes having a conversation with Charles, I basically just said, look, how do I, how do I get better at this stuff? And he just said, look, everything that I'm teaching you here, because basically I walked out with a, a textbook like mm. about this. Mm. Thing, okay. And most of the stuff I didn't even understand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's just the reality of it. And I will point it out, Dave, that that was when the biosig was because some of our listeners might say, oh, "I've done biosig too; it was two days or whatever." Uh-uh. This was when it was five days, and it was so fucking excuse my French intense. It was it was well, epic. That was when he was like super, super. Mm. It was very dense. Like, yeah, yeah, hundred oh. percent. This is for me. This is when Charles was at his best. Mm. Like, like I, I just feel really honored that I, I got to do a lot of those five days and then it sort of got dumbed down because, you know, people only wanted the protocols. They didn't really want the information. And yeah, for me, like I love the information. So I feel really honored that I 
got to experience that. And I'm sure like you do as well, Rodan. And, yeah, and yeah. Like, like for me, like it was just like, how, yeah, how do I get better at this? And like Charles is really, as, as always, brutally honest. He goes, look, everything I've taught you over these five days, he goes, it means absolutely nothing if you don't go away and research the hell out of it. Yeah. And I like, and I took that literally. Yeah. And, and basically I go like, I want to, I want to be amazing at this stuff. And that's actually when I started to really dive into things like, you know, blood chemistry and started to dive, you know, way deeper into biochemistry. And eventually obviously what I'm probably a little bit more known for like gut health and, you know, learn stuff from, you know, um, you know, like James Laval and, went into the movement space and then, you know, functional diagnostics and so more, you know, hormonal testing and gut health. So how long ago was this? Like, what's the, where, where are we? Where was that first bio stick? Was it? Yeah. So it was sort of like 2007 or something oh, around wow. that time. Yeah. So it was, it, it was, it was pretty early Jeez. doors. That was like three, three, three years before me. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I did my first. Yeah, and I just like kept on going with that. And actually, I have to credit one of my my good friends, who's actually sort of Nick Mitchell's right hand man with uh, Ultimate Performance, and that's yeah. Eduard, Eduardo Baruta. So, like yeah. for him, like because he actually did it, and he goes like, "You got to go see this guy." Yeah, okay, because like Eddie was pretty raw in the industry at that point, and I wasn't, and I was sort of kicking back, thinking that I knew everything. Yeah, okay, and Eddie goes like, "You just got to go see this guy," and then that that. <laughs> That five days, like, as I said, for me, you know, Charles, compl- like, I can't repay Charles for that. Like, he just, he just completely changed my projection in, in life. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, you know, like a lot of the things that I, I was taught by Charles, do I totally agree with now? No. Yeah, okay. But that doesn't mean that he didn't completely change how I was, you know, looking at, you know, helping people and, and my trajectory, do you know what I mean? In life, like I, I owe a lot to him that I can't repay. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, absolutely. And I think they're like every, like we spoke about this when, when Charles parted this world there and I spoke to, um, we spoke to Jordan Shallow and you wouldn't sort of pick him as a political guy, but he sort of confessed his, um, you know, his, where he, he felt with Charles and how it influenced even what he did. And, and, you know, Tom and I sort of recall, I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without the influence of, of Charles and, and doing the biostics and the PICP and clean health. And uh, we came down and did seminars at 5EW and, and the rest of this history type thing. But, yeah, like influence, like I, I don't think there's anyone else in the industry that had such a, a profound influence over so many. Yeah, I mean, he, he changed the industry for the better. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Like any, anyone can say what they want about Charles, but the one thing is he, like you, you look at I, what I would consider to be some of the smartest brains in this industry going around and yeah. they, they've all had some sort of connection with Charles. Yeah. It's yeah. just a reality. Yeah. Okay. And, and now I think it's for us to carry that even further, like carry that standard even further. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, that's the only way I can repay his legacy is do even, do even better on top of that. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah so that's sort of where I, I guess where I sort of came from, you know, in the, in the industry. Yeah. Okay. And then um, that really, you know, that passion for understanding things like blood markers and gut health and so forth really led me to, I guess, the ideology of fifth element and, 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 you know, fifth element has been going for like six and a half years now. Uh, I guess the, the, the idea and the ideology and Rawdon knows this, so he's been here, spent a bit of time. And I, and I will say the most amazing bathroom, bathrooms you <laughs> ever go to in a, in a gym or facility, they're, they're phenomenal. Like it's like a, yeah. a luxury hotel. I, I spent, yeah, I really enjoyed when I went to the Lou at 5 EW. It was amazing. Look, if you don't, res- if you don't resonate with my message and you don't resonate <laughs> with my message, okay? At least come. At least come check out the bathrooms. Yeah, well, <laughs> you got you to go. I guess um, with everyone's uh, gut function operating at such a high level, uh, <laughs> the, the toilet bowl is just clean anyway. Well, just long, smooth, well shaped, perfectly formed <laughs> specimens. Well, you, just so you know, Tommy, because you haven't been here yet. So nice <laughs> to have you. But, but there's a reason that the toilet bowls are black. 
Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with, every, well, with, every, well, with everyone on gut protocols, okay, mm-hmm. like, you know, we've got to save a little bit of money on cleaning, yeah? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but, but all jokes aside, it's an amazing facility. And last time I went, you had a, I think you had the ice bath there as well. So, you were doing... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, before I get to that, I have to tell one story when, when Roy yeah. was coming here and he, <laughs> he, he was doing a little bit of presenting and... He said to me, like, oh, look, I need a drink. And I just go, well, there's, there's some stuff at the front there. And he, <laughs> he grabbed it, he knocked it back, and he knocked back a whole thing of apple cider vinegar. I <laughs> 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 uh, said so, something like, what, yeah, what the hell are you guys doing? It's like, oh, well, you know, it's good for gut health. I said, yeah, but it's not good for thirst. I was, I was, I was parched. And I was trying to present. I, you know, I had a husky, a, a more husky voice after that. And, yeah. and no matter how far he searched, he couldn't find just a, a plain drink of water. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no. I think the next one was chlorophyll. Like, so, yeah. yeah, he was pretty disappointed. But that, <laughs> yeah. that was Rorden's yeah. first experience. But yeah, look, the, the whole thing with with fifth element is like I don't believe in a monotherapy, and that's and I guess that's the whole concept of fifth element. Yeah, okay, like you know, we believe to to achieve optimal health and to really get the most out of your body the more you're willing to adopt, okay? Also, sometimes the more you're willing to let go of things that are no longer serving you, okay? The more you're willing to adopt, the closer you're going to get to that point of, you know, maximizing what you're going to get out of your body, yeah, okay? And so that just stems from, you know, strength, like being the seed, yeah, okay? You know, mobility, movement, yeah, okay? That's detoxification. And that's not just to do with your liver. I mean, the gastrointestinal tract, which we're going to dive into a little bit more, like 25% yep. of detoxification takes place in the gut. The gut, I think a lot of people, you know, sort of forget that. The liver's the middleman. Yes, it's doing a lot of the, the you know, the, the heavy work. Yeah, okay. But we seem to forget that it sort of starts in the gut and then basically elimination is taking place in the gut. Yeah, okay. So, and then gut health, nutrition, okay. And then stress management. It's sort of like the, you know, that's our pillars, you know, and that's the whole concept of not believing in, in a monotherapy. Um, and so, you know, that's pretty much what fifth element has been based on. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, along that course, no, I was going to say, and also you've done well, you've won, I saw that you won an award last year, I think you, yep. Independent fitness, uh, you know, business of the year. So look, awards are, awards are great. Okay. But. Look, for me, Rawdon, you know, you know me pretty well. Okay. Like I am just mm. 110% driven to help people. I mean, it's, it is just that simple. Okay. Like I, you know, I set out in this industry really, you know, fundamentally I'm, I'm a personal trainer. Do you know what I mean? But sort of where I'm sitting now, like the people I'm dealing with, they've got things like MS, they've got like Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, uh, you know, one of my sort of amazing cases was Josh Coleman, who was used to be an elite runner in New Zealand. He had acute leukemia. So like, it's not what I, you know, I want to, I want to reassure people. It's not what I set out to do. Okay. Like, you know, I, I really did essentially want to deal with athletes and, um, but actually these, these are the type of clientele that I'm actually dealing with now. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just driven to help people. And that's probably why I've gone further and further down the rabbit hole when it comes to, you know, looking at blood markers and I look at blood markers completely different to how a naturopath or, you know, a, a doctor's going to look at it. And, and, and that includes, you know, developing my own correlations that will actually bring out fundamentally the real problems that are going on in, in, in people's blood markers. And a lot of those correlations actually do relate to things like poor digestive health. Okay, so you know, like picking out serious problems like SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you know, things like hyperpermeability, the type of damage that you've actually got to the epithelium and the mucosal cells. Okay, like these correlations are something that I'm really, you know, proud of developing. And like in terms of really picking up what's internally going on with with people. It's it's been it's been a game changer, not not just for me, but obviously for the people that I'm dealing with as well. Yeah, okay, and that and that came about from actually just using blood markers and then correlating that with stool testing, yep. correlating it with things like gene testing. Okay, and just because at the end of the day, people might look at that and go, "Well, this is stool testing, this is blood testing," 
you go, you know, we've got, these are separate things. I go, no, they're exactly the same. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like it's telling me, we're just dealing with bike. Same it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. It's just, and so whatever I'm picking up at the blood markers, okay. Like, you know, that's going to be a correlation to what's essentially going on with your digestive system as well. And you can do some of that Charles, uh, like voodoo where you see the blood work and go, Oh yeah, you've got this, this and this wrong with you. And then you go, what the hell? Yeah, I have. How did you know that? Because <laughs> you have these correlations and stuff. <clears throat> I'm just going to jump in Tom before, if you've got something to say where, like where last time we spoke when I was in Melbourne, you sort of were toying up with, <clears throat> excuse me, the, you know, do you go and actually get some, you know, uh, to university and get some sort of formal or a piece of paper to stamp saying, okay, now, you know, people are going to take me more, perhaps more serious or more credibility, or do yeah. you continue doing what you're doing and just, you know, as we would say on the podcast, balls deep in blood work and, and digestive health and all that type of stuff and just keep uh, researching yourself and, and developing this, this craft on your own. Like where, where am I sitting with thoughts? Yeah. Like for what, what's yeah, happening well, with that? Look, I do, I do have like a, like a functional diagnostics. So it's a, it's a diploma. So it does allow me to look at like hormonal testing and stool testing and so forth, you know, with the, with the, with the blood markers. Yeah. Okay. So Look, I like I understand the importance of, of of you know having a certification and you know you know having that piece of paper and so forth and and when the blood markers, I've definitely toyed with the idea of actually even getting my like medical degree. Like I'm going to be honest, like and I've I've spoken to you about that before. Yes. Um. And even like I because I work alongside a doctor. Yeah. Okay. And that's something that he's even mentioned himself. Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's a tricky one because there's there's also fundamentally a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with the medical industry. Yeah, okay, um, and I don't and I don't want to say that's everything because there's a lot of amazing things about the medical industry as well. Yeah, okay, Absolutely. and actually, a lot of the research that I actually read, interesting enough, boys, is it actually it's PubMed research. Yeah, okay, it's medical research. It's Harvard Medical University research. Yeah, okay. So, so when I'm quoting things and people go, oh, what, you know, where's that coming from? I go, well, it's actually, it is actually medical research. It's just, it's just not the main body of research. Does that make sense? So like, cause yeah. you know, it's, that research has been paid for and there's actually great information in there, but they, they don't just, they don't, they don't do more research on it. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't tend to be main body. Does that make sense? So a yeah. lot of these things, if you dig a little bit deeper, you do find, you know, like uh, amazing research. So um, yeah. So yeah, I, there's a lot of things that I love about the medical industry, but it's it's sort of, it's sort of a catch twenty two for me sometimes, Rodan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look, I think I think at some point, I think it's something that I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. Because you. Got- I was going to say, and the duration that you would need to to do that will take you away for multiple years of helping people. One exactly. Well, you know, think- before I had my shave, yeah. Okay, you my my <laughs> <With> year, <a laughs> butter knife. <laughs> before I had my shave with a butter knife, you my years would, would be a little bit more evident. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the one thing, I guess mm. there's the aspect of, do I want to go and spend another, you know, six, seven years or whatever, however long that's going to take. Uh, I think Dave, just having been on the podcast, you're now a doctor by, well, yes. <laughs> Gordon and I have been pretending to be doctors for a long time now. And, uh, <laughs> We had the the biosig uh, biosig certificate behind oh, yes. us back yes. at the uh, under the bar. Well, it's, the, that, yeah. it's always enough, and if you if you've got it five times, mate, then you're five oh. times enough. You're like a, a specialist. You're a specialist. Yes, a specialist. <laughs> Very interesting about the correlations in the blood work that you were seeing with certain digestive orders and two parts. To this was that just via pattern recognition, just seeing similar things coming up and putting the pieces together. And are there any common ones or standouts that might be relevant to the audience and understandable from a blood work perspective? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, Cause one aspect and, and one motivator uh, for me behind looking at blood work and so forth. Yes. Initially it was Charles. Yeah. Okay. But also probably James Laval. Yeah. Okay. And, and obviously James Laval wrote a book. If you uh, that you, like your blood markers don't lie. Yeah. Okay. And then I did some online courses with James Laval and there was a higher motivation and, and even doing, you know, like Dane McDonald also motivated me to, to actually yep. go a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always going to, you know, I'm always going to give credit. Okay. Like people have motivated me to do things and so forth. And 
he was looking at it, you know, from a functional medicine perspective. And so I had a lot of people that motivated me to, to look at this. There's, there's one fundamental thing that I noticed when looking at blood markers is we tend to look at it in this linear approach. Okay. And if I, I just give you an example. Yeah. Okay. So you got to stick with me here. Okay. So if we look at something like hemoglobin, yeah. Okay. So obviously we know hemoglobin helps with like transporting oxygen around the body, nutrients. Okay. So in the medical realms, they might look at hemoglobin. They say it's on the low side and you understand like optimal ranges. So my optimal ranges tend to come from athletic performance. It's a bit of a mixture between athletic performance and also yes, medical, but also fun functional medicine as well. Okay. But obviously, you know, when it comes to medical ranges, they're basically done through analytics. They're done on averages. Yeah. Okay. And the reality of the matter is like which people mainly get their buds checked on the most frequent basis. Well, the elderly is the first group. Yeah. Okay. The next group is going to be the sick and then healthy people aren't getting their bloods checked on a regular basis. So what they do, let's say they get the first hundred people that get their bloods checked and they say that is optimal ranges. That's just averages. It's not optimal ranges. Okay. So it's so broad for them. And then they look at it and they may look up a component that makes up, you know, hemoglobin. So they might say like iron ions. Okay. But their brain goes to that straight away. Does that make sense? And then they go, Oh, so if the hemoglobin's low, then, you know, you must be low in iron. Okay. So take iron. Okay. But if I just look at something like hemoglobin, yes, iron ions is one component. Yeah. Okay. But what plays a big role in the mitochondria is like a uh, pyridoxine B6. Yeah, okay. I also need B12. So methylcobalamin. Yeah. Okay. You also need B9. Okay. So you need folate. Okay. Now people with methylation issues like the MTHFR gene defect, which is like 50 different variants of that. That can create some issues there. Yeah, okay. Um, then I need vitamin A. Yeah, okay. So then I need copper. Yeah, okay. You also need glycine. Now, like glycine, you know, is a precursor. Glycine helps with the formation of heme. Okay. And then heme, hemoglobin. Yeah, okay. The only reason I bring all this stuff up because we, 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 we're not looking at like a, like a soup. Does that make sense? We're looking at it in such a linear way. And then I can go further than that because to actually help with the assimilation of something like glycine, you need estrogen coli. You need E. coli. Okay. Like, and, and, and when, when I say E. coli to people, their brain immediately that's goes, yeah, that's bad. And so they go, but there's, yes, there's six pathogenic strains of E. coli, but E. coli makes up the high majority of the bacteria in your large intestine, like 400 wow. different species in there. Okay. But with, without estrogen coli, don't even just worry about glycine, but vitamin K. Now vitamin K deficiency is huge. That's why babies essentially get vitamin K injections because the mother most likely has low levels of estrogen coli. That's actually affecting their ability to absorb vitamin K and it's affecting the, the, the fetus is affecting the baby. Yeah. Okay. But you also need it for the production of CoQ10 shuttle free fatty acids into your cell for energy. Yeah. Okay. You need it for the synthesis of biotin, vitamin B7, that's blood sugar management. Okay. You need it for the synthesis of B9. Yeah. Okay. Hey, this this soup is getting there. There's lots of uh, there's lots of veggies in this soup, mate. I, yeah. I, I think I, I think I'm just going to take some iron, Tommy. Yeah, let's go get some iron. Well, I mean, this is the thing, Dave. So you rattle those off, and I start. Nah. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. me after my first uh, five days of poliquin, and you come away with that massive pile, and you, you just think, oh my God, what is the world in front of me, and how am I going to wade my my way through this? But back to what you're suggesting, can that be achieved through just a very well balanced diet of whole foods that has all those minerals in it or or is that not enough these days yeah look i wish it was there's, there's definitely an ask like of course i wish it was as simple as you just clean up your nutrition and like i, I think even with the nutrition aspect yeah okay it's just getting really complicated i'm sure you boys would agree yeah like everyone's saying like you know well ketogenic or okay plant-based or is it carnivore yeah okay a big point that I'm actually bringing out with all this, okay, and I, I, I can definitely make it easier for people for sure when it comes to nutrition and so forth. But a lot of what's going on in our gastrointestinal tract is actually forcing us into these extreme nutrition outlets. Okay, so if I if I use the example of something like a plant based, you know, a plant based diet, which I'm not I'm not out here to you know, demonize a plant-based diet. Yeah. Okay. Bloody game changes. <laughs> my God, my, uh, my, uh, the lovely Federica uh, and I watched it and then neck minute. Hey, uh, look, I think we should do a little bit of an experiment. We should just go like, um, 
you know, that big vegan for a while, we'll check our bloods. It's like, no, no, I'm not going to. No, <laughs> not this thing. Yeah. yeah, every single, like, yeah, I was the same. My email was just getting flooded. I just oh. think, oh, look, I've been eating enough animal protein for a while. I want to, I want to switch to a plant-based diet. But like one point that I'm trying to get across to people who actually have probably switched to a plant-based diet, okay? Like if you've got hydrochloric acid issues, okay? And once again, there's sort of a soup that you need for hydrochloric acid, okay? Now, the poor energy systems would cause you. So if you're more sedentary, you don't get enough oxygen in, okay? That means you get less byproducts like carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide mixes with water in the body. And then, you know, most of the carbon dioxide is most present in the body in the form of bicarbonate. And bicarbonate need for the hydrochloric acid. Yeah, okay. Now, a lot of people are going to tend to have issues with hydrochloric acid. Now, guess what's the major macronutrient? You're not, you're, you're not going to feel like you really want to break down. Okay. Animal proteins. Yeah, okay. And so they just off put by the, yeah, animal proteins. So they're just going to be off put by the thought of eating animal proteins. And, and they can have, tend to have like gut distinction quite high up. You know, they say 50% of the population have something like H. pylori. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Let's just go with it for the sake of today's podcast. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, H. pylori, which is helicobacter overgrowth, okay, that nullifies the acidifying effects of hydrochloric acid. Okay. So, once again, if I've got that bacterial issue and then I'm consuming animal protein, well, how do you think that's going to go? It creates heartburns, yeah. gastric reflux, and so forth. Yeah. So, then they go, well, that's intu- I'm being intuitive. I go, no, it's not intuitive. Your gastrointestinal tract and the damage in your stomach lining and the paratel cells in your stomach line, it's actually forced you into a position where you can't actually just break down the animal protein properly. Mm. And if I, go on the, if I go on the other side of the fence and the carnivore diet, which is another thing that's really like ramping up, well, if I've got autoimmune and I've got like fermentation issues in the, in the small intestine, well, what food groups am I really going to struggle to assimilate and break down effectively? Well, foods that sit there and ferment naturally for a longer period of time yeah okay um and so you know that's going to be vegetable fibers and it's going to be carbohydrate molecules and so forth so all of a sudden what am i going to feel better eating okay well and essentially these people have SIBO they have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth okay they've got a fermentation issue and a motility issue in the small intestine so they're going to feel better eating probably more animal proteins and animal fats because they don't sit there and ferment for a longer period of time but a, a bit of my argument is like, okay, so, you know, is it, is it the case that the carnivore diet is, that's the thing for you for the rest of the lot, for the rest of your life, or like a, like a plant-based outline, or actually the issues in your gastrointestinal lining have forced you into these extreme nutrition outlines, mm. okay? Like even intestinal permeability, which is a big thing for me, well, guess what? People who've got intestinal permeability and there's like, six different types of intestinal permeability is like a complex beast. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? You don't do well on things like nightshades. Okay. Uh, and, and so basically you struggle with things like the lectin, the saponin, the capsaicin. Okay. You don't do well with high amounts of sulfur you have sulfur metabolization issues. So all of a sudden like cruciferous vegetables and things like asparagus, Okay. Mm. You don't do well with lectin. So legumes and beans and lentils, and you don't do well with fructose. I'm, and everyone gets me wrong when I get on podcasts and that. And I said, well, you know, I say to people, I, like, I want you to avoid fruit for a period of time. Like, I'm not anti-fruit. Fruit, you know, there's nothing wrong with fructose, okay? But if you've got damage to the, to the epithelium, okay, there's a particular, you know, a GLUT protein called GLUT5 that gets absorbed into the apical part of the cell in the small intestine. And, and essentially what it helps you do one of its major role is to help you metabolize dietary fructose. But if the, the epithelium is damaged, it's not that you're not absorbing it, but it, you understand it, it impairs on it, okay? It impedes on it, yeah, okay? And so your ability to metabolize dietary fr- fructose is compromised, and then you can get things like fructose maldigestion, okay, fructose malabsorption, okay? So... My point being is all of a sudden, these people, they avoid that. They don't feel good when they eat fruits and fructose. They, 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 they can't eat lectins. Yeah. Okay. They can't eat, um, you know, nightshades. Yeah. Okay. They can't eat high, high, high sulfur foods. And you understand what's happening for them. They're going, that's intuitive because I just don't feel good when I eat those things. But actually what's happening is your food windows is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's the problem here? Okay. 
Well, your food sensitivities change every three to four months. It's all based on food rotation. And, that, and actually, the diversity of your microbiome is dependent on that food rotation as well. Okay? And so my big thing here okay, is what's, what's the real issue with how we're interacting with food? The real issue of how we're interacting with food is the actual gastrointestinal lining itself. Okay, and the, and, and the microbiome imbalances that come about with that. Does that make sense? Because all of a sudden, if you're not interacting with the food properly, okay, well, that can completely change all, also how you convert particular compounds into other compounds. Like the interaction is going to be poor. Mm. So a, a, big, a big thing for me, boys, is I basically say, what's the, what's the real issue here? And I'm, I'm telling people it's the environment. The terrain is the, is the terrain is the issue, okay? And if I use like a bit of an analogy here, okay? So let's say I had like a forest and that's, so this is the, this is the terrain. This is the environment, okay? I've got a forest and there's certain animals that flourish in the canopy and the trees, okay? And that's basically your good bacteria. And there's like happy families between your good and your bad bacteria. So 85% should be good, about 15% should be bad. And you, you, I'm sure you boys understand that's going to ebb and flow and that's completely normal. Yeah. Okay. But there's certain, there's certain animals that flourish in the grass and the soil and that's your opportunistic bacteria. Okay. And that's things like candida and yeast, you go negative gram bacteria. And I don't demonize these things because if the environment's good, they're kept in check. They're not a problem. Does that make sense? And they, and they, and they, they have a symbiotic relationship. Bad bacteria definitely plays a role in, in what's going on in your environment. Does that make sense? Like don't demonize them. It's not like we're trying to go in there and just wipe them all out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. But if I go through and I just wipe out all the trees and I, essentially I'm talking about your epithelium, I'm talking about your mucosal cells and your brush borders and so forth. And I just go through and I wipe, wipe out all the trees. Well, how do you think the, you know, the, the animals that like the canopy and the trees, how do you think they're going to go? Okay. Well, they're not going to. Gonski. Yeah. They're not going to go. Yeah. They're not going to go too well. They're going to try their best. Okay. But it's going to affect their ratios because most people have mm. ratio issues. That's that's the fundamental problem. Yeah. Okay. But you know the animals that like the grass and the soil, they're going to flourish, and that's your opportunistic bacteria. And how we've tried to solve this problem is go scratch our heads and go, okay, how do I solve this? Oh, let's just put more of those animals back in there. Probiotics. Probiotics. Yeah, yeah, and, that's, yeah, yeah. And, and fecal transplants and even to the extent like which I'm not two girls <laughs> sorry two girls in a cup I think that was the, the initial <laughs> the initial experiment um, <laughs> didn't go <laughs> didn't go so well but well, why don't we actually uh, get it into a little bit of your process Dave like the uh, the genesis of what brought this Come. conversation together today it's actually very interesting on what you were saying about the um, food rotation every three to four months. I assume that would be in nature over the course of evolution, the, the changes in seasons every three or four months would bring about new foods and fruits and, and different yeah. things that we would as humans be, be eating and rotating through. So that's very interesting, but you have got a, yep. uh, you've put together like a 15 week gut repair process, which includes, training to suit it and is broken into phases and it's made it's a very very beautifully put together document uh so do you want to give us a bit of a an overview as to what the plan is and uh, who it's for yeah take the floor yeah yeah i'll go for it um so i guess my look my approach is probably you know a lot different to other people and if, if i once again if i potentially talk about the medical approach the medical approach would be if you've got like bacterial issues and gut issues and whether that's parasites and pathogens their approach yeah okay is okay kill so we'll, we'll use antibiotics and we'll just go in there we'll just wipe out so just kill and then that's it okay and just yeah. understand those antibiotics yeah okay well every time you take antibiotics you increase your uh, rate of depression by uh, chance or your rate of depression by 25 percent. now why because you're going in you're wiping out the bacteria that helps you assimilate the, the, you know, the amino acids and the molecules that you need for things like neurotransmitters and hormones. Yep. Okay? And so, so that, that approach for me doesn't seem too appealing. Does that make sense? Okay. Then you might get the naturopathy realms. Yeah. Okay. Because I sort of sit and I just sort of 
you know, I'm not down the functional medicine and naturopathy realms sort of either because with their, with their ideology, they basically say, okay, so let's kill and then replenish. Okay. So kill would be like use antimicrobials and whether that's grapefruit seed extract or caprylic acid or whatever, whatever that might be. And then let's replenish with basically probiotics. Okay. So whether it's lactobacillus or whatever that might be. Okay. So my approach really is heal, kill, heal. Okay. And so the, the reason I go always for heal first, yeah, okay, is because we need to understand why did that bacteria proliferate in the first place? Okay. And the reason for me that it proliferated in the first place is because the environment was right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And the, and, and the environment is the gastrointestinal lining. Okay. So it's the epithelium and they're complex beasts in themselves. Yeah. Okay. But essentially, if I break it down a little bit more simpler, okay, we're just dealing with smooth muscle here. We're, we're dealing with type 1 collagen. Yeah, okay? And, so, and, that, and, and Rawdon will know this by looking through the booklet, and there's a huge emphasis on things like slow-cooked meats, bone broths. Yeah, okay? Now, why? Because you're getting things like hydroxyproline, proline, glycine, arginine. Yeah, okay? There's a huge emphasis on things like vitamin C. Yeah, okay? Vitamin C-rich foods. Yeah, okay? So things, you get things like manganese, copper, zinc, yeah, um, pyridoxine, B6, which is also high in a lot of the foods that I recommend, yeah, okay? Because they're, that's essentially the soup that you actually need for the mucosal cells and the epithelium. So essentially what, with, 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 the, with the gut repair, okay, Tommy, and there's a 15 week, there's a nine week. When I'm seeing people one-on-one, just so you understand, that version can be a lot longer. Right. Because okay. one, one thing I want to get across is that if you've got like really stubborn parasites like blastocystis hominis or dentamoeba fragilis, okay, SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, the, the goal of this particular, the gut repair is not essentially to get rid of those problems. Okay. The, 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 the huge emphasis that I, it's like a reboot for the gut. That's the real uh, premises of this, this protocol. Does that make sense? Which mm-hmm. I'm strongly advising if people have some of those more complex problems that you're going to have to deal with that. And something like the gut repair is something you do once a year ongoing. Yeah, okay. You know, a, a invest a little bit of time into actually make, making sure that you're doing some maintenance around the gut. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, and so does that make sense? And so, and then I broke it down basically into stages. Yeah. Okay. And if I just talk about like, do you want me to talk about some of the stages and why I've broken it down like that? Yeah, that'd be Absolutely. great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Don't give away all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to mate. Yeah. Okay. I get too excited sometimes. Oh, no. I'll probably end up giving him the entire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. But basically like stage one, you know, fundamentally it's just reduce the inflammatory load. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, what's, like, I don't, I don't want to demonize inflammation here, okay? Because inflammation is a good thing, yeah, okay? Um, and actually, when we train, yeah, okay, you actually produce a lot of IL-6, okay? And a lot of people say IL-6 is a pro-inflammatory protein, okay, interleukin-6. And I say, yeah, but it's got, it creates an anti-inflammatory response. So I'd also argue, yes, it has a pro-inflammatory, but it has an anti-inflammatory nature as well, Okay. So you're producing IL-6, so let's not demonize inflammation here because inflammation is just your body's response to a particular stimuli, yeah, okay? But obviously what I'm talking about is when, we're just, when it's chronic, okay, that you're producing too many pro-inflammatory me- uh, mediators and you're producing too many anti-inflammatory mediators, which means your inflammatory load is just too much, okay? You're creating almost like a cytokine storm and, you know, when people have been talking about coronavirus and so forth and, People need to understand, well, you've got the epithelium, you've got the mucosal cells in, in your lungs, yeah, okay? And there's all these different types like squamous cells and so forth, but the major majority in the lungs is the goblet cells, and guess what? Goblet cells are also in the large intestine, the colon, okay? And so all these things are, are, are made of the, you know, the essentially smooth muscle, yeah, okay? Type 1 collagen, okay? So the structure, and if you've got compromised structure, like you've got respiratory uh, issues. Okay. So things like asthma, you know, the elderly who tend to have compromised connective tissue. Everyone would agree with that. Okay. You know, you've got your smoker. Okay. Your epithelium is going to be compromised in the lungs. 
Yeah, okay. Well, also people who've got compromisation of the epithelium in the small intestine, the large intestine, like intestinal permeability and autoimmune disease, like ulcerative colitis and so forth. Yeah, okay. Well, their epithelium is compromised there, but it's also compromised in the lungs as well. And you create, like if you, if you get exposed to a virus, you create a cytokine storm. Okay. Like those cells produce things like beta defensins and lysozymes. It's a normal response, but you get that response in the small intestine, the large intestine as well. Okay. You create that cytokine storm. Okay. And so essentially what I'm trying to do in the stage one is mitigate that sort of cytokine storm. Does that make sense? Just reduce yep. the, the influx of the, the, the pro-inflammatory cytokines and that, because what they do is they damage the brush borders. Okay, and if they damage the brush borders, that's also impeding on your ability to release enzymes. Okay, so things like lactase and maltase and sucrase and you know uh, amino peptides. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what are you laughing at, Tom? I'm pretty sure that's one. <laughs> so, Just you, mate. Dextrinase. Yeah, guys. So there's, there's, there's all. So you impede on these enzymes getting released yeah, okay, from the brush borders to help you break down these glucose molecules and protein molecules. And that's affecting your assimilation. Yeah, okay? And so inflammation dampens those, those, those brush borders. And that's why I use things that are really effective okay, at actually mitigating high histamine activity. And so essentially, you know, like things like curcumin, which curcumin is amazing at reducing oxidative stress, especially in the gastrointestinal lining. Boswellias, you know, without giving too much about, away about Boswellia, yeah, okay. Um, but Boswellia is amazing. It actually inhibits things like HLE, which is human leukocyte elastase, which actually causes like respiratory distress, okay. And so Boswellia is amazing for actually helping with the epithelium and actually helps with sort of uh, uh, preventing like a proliferation of bacteria. It actually helps inhibit a process called chemotaxis. Okay. And, and so that can actually, the chemotaxis can cause like overgrowth of bacteria. Okay. So I'm using things to mitigate a lot of that, like sort of inflammatory response and cytokine storm. So we want to not nullify inflammation. Yeah. Okay. Is that, is that, so phase one, is that primarily, is that lifestyle changes that we just talking about nutrition, nutritional okay. choices primarily? Yeah, so like even you would notice in the in, in the booklet from a nutritional perspective, there's initially there's a high sort of low FODMAP, or I like to call it a little bit like pseudo low FODMAP. The one thing that I want to get across to people, yeah, okay, like low FODMAP really works with people with SIBO, like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, okay, because what we're obviously dealing with here is we're actually taking out foods that's, you know, a lot of prebiotics, okay, a lot of things that sit there and ferment for a longer period of time. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm assuming Jada's right next to you. Yeah. Unless you were just massaging yourself, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's possible as well. <laughs> um, so with the FODMAP, yeah, okay. Like I'm not FODMAP, you going low FODMAP is, is, is not a long-term solution to gastrointestinal problems. I want to make that clear because high FODMAP foods are actually good for the microbiome balance. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. And actually, you know, if you're using a low FODMAP regime for, you know, anything longer than for about four months, what you end up creating is actually microbiome imbalances. Like I deal with people and they've been on a low FODMAP regime for about five years. <laughs> okay, and actually mm -hmm. a lot of the issues that they're actually... Yeah displaying are actually because now they've got actually microbiome imbalances and when they've got the microbiome imbalances can create other bacterial complications especially things like yeast and candida overgrowth okay so i'm not the only reason i use a low fodmap regime yeah okay because low fodmap because if people do have underlying issues like SIBO and so forth okay then it's just mitigating the inflammatory load that's what i want to do initially does that make sense that's why I want to use low fructose fruits and I want to use, you know, carbohydrates that don't put a lot of pressure on the, and on the gastrointestinal lining. But I just want to make it clear, guys, I'm not saying that a low FODMAP regime is going to fix all your gastrointestinal problem. Okay. okay. I, just want, I just want to use foods that aren't going to create more of an inflammatory response. Does that make sense? Which mm -hmm. a low FODMAP, because 
the end of the day, most of the time what I would do with, if I was dealing with someone, you know, one-on-one, I would go way more and Rorden knows this. I'd go way more mm. hardcore than that. Okay. Yes. You know, like this is, as I said, it's a bit of a reboot. I, mean, I understand people still want to have, you know, whether it's having their, their fruits, like for the phytonutrients and so forth, post-workout. Like I understand that. And there's benefits to that. The irony is like fruits, a lot of the phytonutrients are extremely good for the gastrointestinal lining. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But there can be problems there when you've got other bacterial issues and so forth. So mate, who are the, the good candidates for a, a process like this? And then in this initial inflammation reduction phase, how long do you want that to go for? Yeah. So, so, so basically, obviously I've dumbed it down to a nine week. Yeah. Okay. Look, my preference would be for people to do a 15 week process. I mean, Rorda knows I'm always going to go for longer than shorter. Yeah. Okay. But you know, and I would prefer people to go a little bit more in depth. Yeah. Okay. So if they do have things like potential, like, you know, parasites, you're going to need a little bit more detailed protocol. Does that make sense? But you're still going to get benefit out of doing this. It's sort of like a bit of a, like a cleaning job for the gut. Does that make sense? Because the higher focus is on actually helping with the rejuvenation of the, the, the mucosal cells and the epithelium. That, that's where the higher focus. And even what I want to teach people at the back end of this is once you do something like this, potentially using, you know, you know, peptides that, I, I think can display a lot of benefits in, in this instance, like BPC, BPC? Yeah, yeah. BPC 157, whether that's oral injectables, obviously the, the research is a bit, you know, a little bit, um, uh, there's, there's a little bit more conclusive, you know, research to back up injectable BPC, but that would be the best time to use something like that. The problem is mm. when people use BPC and so forth, they've, they've still got all the bacterial issues and so forth. And then all the bacterial byproducts, Okay, so whether it's you know excess amounts of LPS like lipopolysaccharides, acetaldehyde, they're damaging the epithelium even more, which means you know the BPC is essentially it's sort of like sprinkling like fertilizer over the over the top of the grass, and you're not really getting it into the soil. It's the same thing yeah. with like a fecal transplant, and I'm not anti those things. Yeah, okay, and I'm not anti using something like BPC. Okay, but just use it in a more effective way, and 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 doing sort of this. The, the gut repair, you know, cleaning up what's going on in the gut and realigning the microbiome balance and so forth, using something like BPC straight after that, like amazing, phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah, does that make sense? But like I I'm, I'm really think, you know, think people like competitors, like people who put their, you know, their gastrointestinal tract under a lot of uh, extreme pressure, okay? Now, especially if you're going into things like calorie... And I'm, you know, me and Rodham had lot, lots of conversations on this, like... You know, I'm not anti-calorie restriction, yeah, okay? And I understand, like, if people want to get body composition results, calorie restriction, okay, it's, <laughs> that's, that helps with body composition, okay? But extended periods of calorie restriction, okay, it can cause some problems with the thyroid and people just don't understand this connection of the thyroid to areas like the mucosa in the gastrointestinal lining. You know, if you actually have a down-regulation of thyroid tropium-releasing hormone and TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone, they actually help with what we call GALT, gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Okay, This is in an area called the lamina propria. It's connective tissue. Once again, it's made up of all what I was talking about. Okay, And that helps with B cells. And this is immune response. This is antigen and antibody response. Okay, And so people have that down-regulation. Now they're left with a mucosa issue and an immunity issue and a gut lining issue. So they might do reverse dieting and so forth. That helps with the thyroid. But guess what they're left with? They're left with a gastrointestinal issue now, okay? Mm. And then when it comes to the metabolism, considering 20% of your conversion of T4 to T3 actually takes place in the gastrointestinal lining, well, that's, that's what we've got to fix up, yeah, okay? And so, you know, Broaden's heard me say this before, but I think, you know, people who are competing, like in between competitions and so forth, like clean up, clean up the gut, do yourself a favor, yeah, okay? Like nine weeks, 15 weeks out of your life, yeah, okay. And then even what I recommended, using a bit of uh, BPC-157 straight after that. Yeah, okay. Mm. Like re- reboot the gut. Yeah, okay. Like essentially just just give it the nourishment, give it the, you know, and, and some of those compounds that I use from a supplementation perspective. Yeah, okay. Like even in the stage, uh, stage two, using things like quercetin, which is a, a powerful flavonoid, but quercetin, 
has actually been shown in research to have phenomenal results with actually minimizing like asthma. Okay. But let's use a little bit of logic here. Why? Because there's epithelium in the, in mm. the, in the, in the lungs. Okay. So mm. essentially it's helping with the epithelium because quercetin helps with the, 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 the intracellular tight junctions. So it helps. And then those tight junctions are made up of like 50 different proteins. Okay. So it actually helps with things like zonulin. Yeah. Okay. It helps with things like occludin or oseludin and claudine. And they, they're sort of like filter proteins. They dictate what, what comes in. And then zonulin is the gatekeeper. Okay. So it controls the width of the intracellular tight junctions. Okay. And then it just helps with all the different sections of the tight junctions. Okay. Because uh, that's a complex thing in itself, like tight junctions, adherent tight junctions, desmosomes, gap junctions, and quercetin just helps with integrity. Yeah, okay? Yep. It's all about tight junctions. It always has been for Rodden. Um, <laughs> the first I feel phase, like that's going to be a different conversation. Yeah. So the first phase <laughs> of the program, we're looking at reducing the overall inflammatory load. And then you yep. mentioned phase two, there, Dave. So you kill. Not two? kill yet. I know you want to get into the kill. Oh, okay. The kill regime. <laughs> okay. They don't get too excited, mate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, kill. No. Kill is coming. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, good. Good. But, <laughs> but stage two is more like, let's say that's more like a construction job. Okay. Like I'm using compounds in there that start to repair like the connective tissue, start to repair like the because essentially, like things like intestinal permeability would be classified as a loss of tight junction protein. Well, there he was for part one, Rawdon Dave O'Brien. So much mm. interesting stuff in there. Look, I think really valid what he was saying at the start there about the, um, you know, the blood markers being. Mm based off the reference ranges of an elderly population. Unhealthy. You know, we're looking for op optimal performance and all that kind of stuff. And fascinating that he's found his own correlations yeah. with digestive disorders and blood markers. Really groundbreaking stuff. Mm. And I uh, I think he's been uh, – well, you've seen how long he's been after that uh, – the bio, bio yes. and he um, took it upon himself. Well, I need to step up. Yeah. We, uh, on the other hand, did it and went, holy smokes, let's just go Not back to that one. counting reps. Yeah, I'm just going to... We'll, keep, we'll yeah. keep counting reps. But, uh, programs. but he's been balls deep in there for, for quite some time. And yes. um, credit to him. And uh, yeah, he, he's doing some amazing things uh, down at 5EW. So really looking forward to part two, two next episode. And in that one, Rawdon, we'll be going through, as I said at the top, stages two through five. Mm. And look, if, you know, uh, if you've got really specific gut health problems, then obviously see Dave for bespoke mm. treatment. But this gut protocol, uh, the way it's all laid out from the training through the supplementation, the whole bit, um, mm. really worth its uh, its weight in Well, I mean, it, digital yeah. gold. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's very slick. Mm. It's an easy an easy um, read. Easy read, good as read. As much as the listeners are yeah. a tricky one. But, mm. of course, of course, officially we're going to say see an actual, you know, medical uh, healthcare professional and yes. then just be aware that Dave is, a, is another solid option there. Or, yeah. you could, look, you could good see point. us. <laughs> with doctors they could prescribe yes. accordingly yeah. on a, on a, on a post-it note just take their standard chemist well speaking of down to the chemist you said you've got it. Should, we, <laughs> yeah. should we head back you want to take me down there and show me what you're doing there's a little something something I've got brewing I think you're going to really like this one okay we'll go down to the lab right I mate so we just uh, you've got me down here I'm very interested is this some sort of designer designer well, anabolic agent is you know, it uh, well thermogenic fat loss well all of the above accelerant Tom. All of, all of the above, like you know me, I um, I mean that was a great interview, by the way. Yeah, it's oh, not yes. all about yes. me. Thanks, yeah. Mr. O'Brien. Yeah. Part two will be amazing. Mm. But listen, I've been um, you know the estrogen receptor. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, um, I'm trying to get the androgen receptor to um, bind with the estrogen receptor. Very, very, very complicated stuff, Tom. But see what you're doing. A little there, bit mate. of this, and I put a um, I got the Bunsen going. I got this little beaker here, and oh, uh, yes. let very me good. just uh, put a drop or two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully this will be a. Uh, it's going to be new. No. You've heard of um, uh, BNP? I have. Yeah. Well, this is. Uh, I'm expecting that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be careful uh, now. Uh, it's fine, mate. Trust Let's not me. Get too carried Trust away, Trust me. Okay. I know what I'm doing, Tom. Hang on, mate. We're in my lab. This is not good. What's going on? <laughs> Tommy, let's get the hell out of here, bro. Mate. Time out. Time out. Let's go. Gordon.